Welcome to The Program, a podcast dedicated to exposing the institutional child abuse that occurred at the hands of WASP, or Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs, an organization that owned a network of dozens of schools that systemically abused at-risk teens and exploited their parents for millions of dollars. This podcast aims to expose those responsible and seek justice for the damage caused to the innocent children who endured unspeakable abuse. This podcast is for the survivors. I dedicate this to you. Hey guys, welcome back to Inside the Program. This is your host, Caroline Lorson. I... I'm so freaking psyched to get this episode out to you guys. You have to hear this story. Uh, We have a survivor by the name of Alex Ramage. He went to the Academy at Ivy Ridge and then after that went to a couple of different programs. And he is here to share his story, his wisdom, his testimony about what happened there. And it is it's gripping. So So definitely make sure to listen until the very end, because absolutely every second of this story is just uh, inspiring and heart wrenching at the same time. So I also wanted to say thank you to everyone who is supporting this podcast. It means so, so, so much to me and also to all of the other survivors, even though technically this is my podcast it's all of ours. It's all of our stories. It's all of our lived and shared experiences. So it it really means a lot to us when you guys leave us ratings or reviews um, or even just sharing the podcast on social media. This is truly a grassroots effort. And this is how we get the message out there is from you sharing it. Um, So thank you for that, everyone who's done that. And I wanted to read a review that we received on iTunes. So if you are listening to this podcast on iTunes or if you have iTunes, please hop over there leave a review. As of right now, we have 23 five-star ratings. Holy cow. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, And someone even left a beautiful review, and I wanted to read that. They said, Caroline is such an amazing woman. I'm from the area that Ivy Ridge was, and I just recently found out about the events that were going on there. I reached out to Caroline to show my support and love, and her response was so humbling. Your story is horrifying, and I hope you continue on your healing path. You are doing spectacular things. Love this podcast and love you. Thank you so much. Sending all the love right back to you. It is so, like I said, it's it's probably one of the most vulnerable and raw and real things that I have ever put out there to the world. <laughs> so having that support is um, just incredibly validating. I also wanted to share, we have got some people, if you are on the Anchor app, You can leave me a voice message as you're listening to the episodes. So I want to know your responses. I want to know what you think. Give it to me. 
Okay, leave me a voice message and I will absolutely play it during the next episode. So I wanted to share with you guys some voice messages that we got from our previous episodes. So here is the first one. You are so right in how validating this movement has become. Not being believed has been a really sore spot. Um, And for listeners who have never attended a program, it's, I'm sure, difficult to imagine just how brainwashed our parents were. And you have to realize that our parents are still brainwashed. There are two sides to the story. And one is, were we difficult? Did we need extra support? to improve our lives? Probably yes. Were our parents conned and tricked out of millions of dollars at the expense of our mental, physical, and emotional health? Also, yes. You would be so surprised that there are so many parents who still don't believe they cannot admit it, regardless of the evidence provided. So any outward support is just so appreciated. Thank you so much for leaving us that message. We you just you hit all the points because you're absolutely right. Our parents were victimized just as we were. And I think that there's a lot of parents who are still not willing to admit or willing to face the fact that they put their child in a dangerous situation. So there can definitely be resistance there. Um, But yes, the support from the public does not just affect me. It it affects everybody involved. So thank you so much again for voicing your, your heart and letting us know what's on your mind. We also received another message from a former student. Her name is Melissa. So let's give her the platform to speak right now. Hi, my name's Melissa Puckless, and I just want to say I really appreciate your podcast and for all the information, all the, like, I listened to your first one. I had no idea about the whole history of it. I mean, I knew it was a messed up place, but all the details you went into on your first podcast just blew my mind. Um, And I'm I'm into the beginning of your second one now. I just also want to say I really appreciate what you're doing, and I'm definitely going to keep listening. Um, I could go on and on. I try to talk to people about it that I know and it's just, they don't, they don't get it. It's kind of hard to believe, but, um, one of the biggest struggles I had there getting through the program or leveling up was the academics. Um, I just couldn't learn in that type of classroom. I remember, trying and trying and trying to get Jake I think Jake Finlinson I think was his name whatever the brother of the main guy I think it was Jake was supposed to be the teacher and I just I would get points somehow I would like slip under the radar radar I conformed I was pretty good at doing that and getting points and staying out of worksheets But if I wasn't passing tests and things like that, I would not level up. And I sat and sat and sat. 
Oh my God, they're going into that now. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's crazy. But you're now just like going into the education part. Thank you. You're reading my mind. Thank you so much, Melissa, for uh, writing in or voicing in to us. I love hearing what's on everyone's minds as you're listening to these episodes. It really is a conversation to be had. So, yes, the educational system within these schools was not fit for everyone. Um, it was a distance learning online platform where essentially it was all self-taught. And I know that I have troubles <laughs> teaching myself, especially complex things that we're, we're not really familiar with. So thank you, Melissa, for voicing your opinion on that. And as you listen to this episode, please send us a message. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what, what parts of it really hit you hard and what parts touch your heart. Uh, I want to hear from you. And then I will be posting that in the next episodes going forward. So thank you guys for supporting this podcast. Again, share it on social media, share it wherever you can. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. It means so much. It boosts our algorithm and it helps us get this message out to more people um, and also people that can help us affect change in institutions like this. So I am so excited for you guys to hear Alex's story. He is going to be on next. Again, he was a student at the Academy at Ivy Ridge, and he gives us such an up close and personal account of what it was like to be there. So thank you again to everyone. If you are looking for other ways to support this podcast, I have some links down below. You are more than welcome to make a personal donation to me, which I would so appreciate that as I put in a lot of time and effort into this, which, of course, it is my project. I love to do it, but all the support is absolutely welcome. There is a button that says donate on the Anchor app, and that goes directly to me. Or you can also support our continued efforts to stop institutionalized child abuse, and there is a go fund me link down in the description. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate everyone who are the boots on the ground sharing this information. And everyone, will you please welcome Alex to the show? Alex, welcome to the show. We're so incredibly happy to have you here today. I can't wait to hear your story uh, and just all the shit that you went through. So welcome. Thank you, Caroline. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm, I'm really uh, happy that, you know, we're finally able, able to uh, get our stories out. Um, you know, we're adults now and we've matured and our brains have developed. So um, we're all processing this now, it seems like, and it's all coming back. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really proud of you and all the other ladies that I've started uh, movements like this to get our story out. Um, so, you know, maybe uh, we can help someone. Um, if I, if I can stop one person from getting uh, to go through what we had to go through, you know, our mission, mission accomplished. So yeah. thank you so much. Absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent. And, you know, it's horrifying to think that this is still happening. Like there's still schools open. There's still people going through these programs. It's just a different mask, a different, you know, disguised as a different ownership, but it's the same thing. And we, I think we all know that. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely, um, you know, and I questioned him. I wondered, I was like, is it different ownership? Like, I really don't know. I, there's, I have so many questions that are yet to be answered. Like, what is, you know, I'm going to start and say names um, that people have no idea about, but, you know, Robert Litchfield, what is his, do you think he's just, you know, put all, you think he's cast out and he's not involved anymore or? He's still involved. Uh, and I, I, I know that because I've been, I've been doing my research, right? I've been mm-hmm. doing my research and, um, you know, so what this looks like, I'll just kind of tell you what happens, what they do is they will start a new company, new name, and then they will not be listed as ownership. Like they, they won't be listed on, on the uh, government documents as being an owner of this company, but they will be a trustee and they will be an investor. And so Mm -hmm. they're there, they're there, but it makes it really, really difficult to track down that information as to who is actually running these programs. It's so shysty. It's so shysty, dude. It's like, um, it's strategic is what it is, which makes me even more angry about the whole thing. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm just wondering like what the margins are to like, what the motivation to continue to do this decade after decade. I mean, they must make a lot of money doing this because like, what is the reason behind it? I mean, I don't know. We, we, we really dove in and I mean, people that have never gone to the program are like, who's Robert Richfield? Um, so if we want to take a step back, I'll do a little introduction of who I am. Yes, um, please. And yeah. So, uh, my name's Alex Ramage. Um, I was, uh, enrolled into the Academy at Ivy Ridge when I was 15, um, October 19th, 2004. Um, I, to this day, I've never fit into society's norms you know i you know i never really like going to school you know i don't really i don't have a nine to five you know so the reasons i got sent to ivy ridge are still part of who i am today you know my parents bless their hearts they're very lovely people and they did the best they could but they couldn't just wrap their mind around their head around that i was different you know i i didn't do society's norms they didn't know what to do. They were told my mom was at a parents at wits ends group. I was, <clears throat> I was getting in a little bit of trouble at school. Um, they didn't know what they, they were going to have to suspend me, expel me, that type of stuff. But, you know, I wasn't using hard drugs, it, nothing serious, you know? So yeah, I got enrolled into Academy Ivy Ridge. I, I got the transporter, the transporter service. I had two uh, gentlemen, my parents knew they would never be able to get me to upstate New York by my, you know, say we're going to the school. No way. You know, sorry, I'm not going. So they had two gentlemen about three. Uh, well, I take that back. They, they had two gentlemen. One, I was about to say they were both 300 pounds, but one was 300 pounds. One was a short little Italian guy, five, five, 150 pounds, ex cop. Uh, the other one was a big six, six Jamaican guy. And they just said, I get your, my mom opened the door and said, Alex, I'm just trying to help you. And then she took off and these two big gentlemen came in the room. They said, get your clothes on. You're going with us. And they said, we're, we're taking you to a school and it wasn't optional. So I got my clothes on and I, and I, and I went in the car and it was very much like, you know, at that time, that's when my life changed, you know? Yeah. 
it's not like there's no freedom. You know, once they're in your room, they're with you until the end of that, until they drop you off into the school, like right outside the door you pee. There's no, you know, I was explaining this to my friend the other day and he said, oh, I would just, I wouldn't have gone. I was like, it's not like that, dude. It's not. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> You're going. Like, yeah. You're going to either forcefully go or you can go without the, the bruises and, and all that. The so. headache. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. going. So, yeah, I, um, you know, I got in the car and I went and the, they, they didn't, they didn't lie to me on the way to the school, but they definitely didn't uh, tell me what I was going to. You know, I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to go a boarding school. There might be a pool. There might be some go-karts. You know, it might be really fun. And, I thought uh, the same thing. That's so funny. Yeah. But like, this is it. This is going to be great. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was, uh, you know, that, that was what that's, you know, no one told me this. I was just kind of like hoping for the best. You know, the second I entered that school, I knew eh, it was it was not go-karts. There was no pool. I entered that school. There was two students walking up against the wall in some kind of formation. And first thing I noticed when I went, I was like, oh, my God, this place smells like cat piss. Yeah. The, it, <laughs> the school smelled like piss. Yeah. Like the very, that's the very first thing I noticed when I walked in those doors. I see um, a, a, an adult walking with two kids, and their faces are sunken in. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're really pale. And then I'm like, something's not right here. You know, something's, something's wrong. So I, I entered that school and I just, I knew right away it was bad news. You know, I got checked in. I like had a panic attack. They brought me into the, one of the classrooms and I had like a panic attack and they brought me out and uh, the dorm parent that all the students will know his name, Randy Garvey went and talked to me and he pretty much just calmed me down. I'm sure you, that name's infamous, Randy Garvey. I'm sure you've heard that name before. Oh, of course. Um, I know. I'm sure you don't know much of, Yeah. See, like, I, you know, I see all these female dorm parents. I really don't know who they are because I never dealt with them. Sure. So I didn't know if that's your, if you guys know who the male dorm parents are or not. But anyway, so that was a very, uh, you know, I start, I broke down. I started crying. That was very traumatic. I was there for a few months. I was just kind of hoping my parents were going to pull me. You know, I was begging and begging and begging through letters, you know, to get to, to allow me to come home and just nothing happened. So, you know, I was 15 years old and the male side, this is what I gathered and I could be completely wrong. The male side was a lot more of a, the female side was a lot more mental yeah. where they were, it seemed like the women were like, you know, they were, they were just on top of each other with the rules and just making sure that everyone was, you know, being accountable. Well, on the, and the guy side, it was, it was still pretty strict, but I don't think it to that degree that on the woman's side, I've seen how the, how, how it was, but the guy side where we, and it could still be pretty mentally debilitating, but it was a lot more physical. Yeah. So even, so even being 15 years old, I remember I, there was, I'm not going to name the kid. You know, I, I don't really think that's fair. He was another student, but there was a student in my, um, in my family. So we were all, as you know, we were all assigned families. Yes. And he, he got there like two days before me. And the difference between me is I was six months, 15 and a half, and he was 17 and a half. 
this kid was just vicious. You know, there was um, a lot of bullying, uh, harassing, um, and beating up uh, other students. Not to say that I didn't see adults beat the shit out of kids because I've seen it a lot. But I saw kids get the shit beat out of them every day by other kids. Let but, me let me ask you about that though, real quick. So, yeah, do you feel like that's because that's what the culture was there? Right? Like we were so limited, we were so restricted. I think there were so many people that had angst inside of them and anger inside of them that that was the outlet. Have you ever seen have you ever seen the movie Stanford Experiment? Oh yeah. Yep. One of my favorites. So, I don't you know, I don't remember the movie verbatim, but it was pretty much they got like 12 college kids, six were uh inmates, six were jail. I don't remember the ratio. But what pretty much happened was the inmates started acting like inmates and the the jail guards started acting like jail guards. And I think that's exactly what happened at Ivy Ridge. Like, the people just fit the roles that naturally came to them. Like, do I think that these men were, the, the, these kids that are now men were purposely, I think that's all they had in their life at that time. And that wasn't out for them was, yes, they were so upset with where they were at that they took it out on people that were smaller than them or, you know, not as didn't have the mental capabilities or capacity that they had. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, so, and I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I was, you know, verbally abused and physically abused you know all the whole time I was there and I could have played the other on the other shoe because I probably did I was probably you know tough to other students I played the game I would I'm just as guilty as anyone else I I had to play the game you know I I you became have an to. upper level I I became an upper level I did what I had to do I you know I was probably one of the you know I I I was very I I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible well so at I 15 at 15, you were looking at being there until you were 18, right? And that's what I was told. I was yeah. told I was not leaving until I graduated. I, the, the, the threat of Jamaica was so real because we knew they were sending people that got in trouble at Ivy Ridge to Jamaica. It's like, you know, I didn't want to risk it. And it was just, it was a calculated move. And I, and I and, you know, a few months in, I was like, you know what? I got to play their game. I got to do these steps. I got to do these seminars. I got to do these uh points i gotta do the i got i gotta play their game because i want to go home and, and i want to be i want to add to that too because you know one of the things that they would tell us about jamaica is they would straight up tell us that hey there's no child labor laws in jamaica they would be so upfront about that they'd be like there's no laws to protect you there and so god knows what could have happened to you there right so yeah that was definitely the fear um but i just wanted to extra emphasize that staff knew what they were doing it wasn't just like a consequence of your behavior no it was like hey guess what yeah there's no laws there you're going to yeah. be screwed well just the, you know i i struggle with the staff because they're minions, the majority of them, you know, they're, 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 they're peasants. And, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but they were literally working for $10 an hour, you know? And yes, like I, I said, it was, <laughs> yeah, it, it was the Stanford experiment. Like yeah. these people who were otherwise normal, decent people, they would become these roles and they would go to work every day. Like you could see staff like transform into like, mm -hmm 
people that would treat us with respect and they're like people that played the game and are like, it was just so fucked up. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of staff that we had on the girls side. And I wanted to comment on what you said earlier. We knew a lot of the male staff because they would come help with restraints. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So like when someone in the girls dorm would be flipping out over something or, you know, they would snap female staff would get on the radio and be like, backup staff, backup staff. And then male staff would run over there and, and restrain the girls. And so that's a lot of how we knew, you know, male staff, but I, I didn't I, know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It used to be female staff that restrained the girls, but I don't know what happened. They changed it and then they decided that it was going to be male staff. So, and you know, there were the usual staff that would restrain people, right? Like there mm-hmm. were certain staff, it was the bigger ones. It was the tougher yes. ones. And yeah, they were the ones who would run over there and do that. No matter the size of the girl, no matter what she was doing, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes on the girl side, we would get restrained for talking back, right? Like it was just mouthing off, bam, you're, you're being restrained, you're on the ground. But I think you're 100% right because we had staff members who would come in and they would treat us like human beings and they would be sympathetic and they would talk to us like with dignity. And either those staff would get fired or they would be asked to leave. Right. So it was very obvious. I actually just read a comment from a staff member the other day who said, yeah, I actually got fired from there because I was too, too nice to you guys. And, and keep in mind, I just want to, you know, point this out to people listening is that when we say being nice, we're not talking about doing extra little secretive shit. We're talking about just talking to people like humans. Right. Being kind, being sympathetic right they wanted dorm parents who were going to go in there who were going to be gruff who were not going to look at us like human beings but i i agree i mean they were getting paid such shit (laughs) they didn't make i mean maybe at the time it was a decent amount but what i hear it was like five to seven dollars an hour but we were in this little rural town where they really didn't have a lot of employment options it was either that or like walmart right that's what i heard at least so just to like piggyback on what you're saying is like, how much qualified help can you get for five to seven dollars an hour? And that's what they were. <laughs> None. That's what they for to 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 deal with troubled teens as we were labeled. It just there's there you're right. Like I, my experience is there was on the men's side there was some good dorm parents. They 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 made you follow the rules, but they made everyone follow the rules. That that's where it was cool. Like there were some dorm bad, dorm parents like John Free. I'll I'll name the fucked up dorm parents on this that had some only some of the students had to follow the rules. You know he coached the basketball team. You know I had John Free. He called me over one time. Well, you know the guys the upper levels lived in dorm too. We would do everything over on the other facility on the other side, and then we would take the bus over. Or we would walk over. I think at this point we were, I forget, whatever. We were walking in the dorm too. John Free calls me over to get out of line. He's talking to me and he sets up another um, upper level, tackles me, tries to, tries to tackle. So, so we're face to face. So here's me. Here's John Free. He had another upper level like come from behind me and here's me and like try to tackle me and take me off my feet. I'm not going to name the student. It's not his fault. The student, and I'm not trying to, you know, talk about my ego. Sure. I, 
I, I played sports my whole life. I, you know, I, I'm a wrestler. I grew up wrestling. The kid ran into me and tackled me, and he could not take me off my feet. And, uh, and he blindsided me. And Free just goes, John Free goes, oh, you know, Alex, you're, you're tougher than I thought you were. You're tougher than you look. So, I mean, that's, that's what the, the adults were doing. I seen Mark Washburn literally stand in a door while and watch, and watch to make other staff wouldn't come. Well, why they jump people in dorm two? Well, other students jumped weaker, inferior students in dorm two. So, I mean, that's 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 the tip of the iceberg. I see, I so, see shit. Like, go ahead. Let me ask because I think that I think most people's question who have not been to a program, yeah. Is, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you tell your parents, right? I get that a lot. Why didn't you tell your parents? Why didn't you tell someone what was going on there? So what's your response to that? I've already given my response, but I want to know what's your response to that? Why didn't you tell So, so I'll, I'll tell you a story. So what happened was um, there's, there's some jumping going on with the upper levels. Um, so what would happen is they would call a student into a room, then five or 10 upper levels there would be, you know how there was bunk beds on each side. There would be two on three upper levels on each on each bed. And as soon as you got in the room, you were five, ten upper levels, and they would beat the shit out of you. They only got me once like that because I fucking screamed and I was like, no, this isn't happening. Like, you aren't about to beat the shit out of me. And they like started doing it to me, and I was and I fucking freaked out. And they're like, oh no, we're just gonna snitch, blah blah blah. So what? Ha- so what I'm getting back to is so ki- so a bunch of upper levels were walking around with bruises, right? One of the upper levels told his parents. His parents went and told the school and be like, "Look, there's like fucking beatings, going bad beatings going on in the upper levels, right? And like you need to like fucking investigate." So they started investigating. Like they fucking brought me into a room. It was me and the student council dude. And one other room, they're like, Alex, what's going on? Like, you either tell us or we're going to fucking drop you. I fucking, and they're like, well, let's see your arms. And they lifted up my arms and it was all black and blues. I was like, yeah, you know, they're, they're jumping people. And they're like, who? And so I, I was like, there's either, I was going to lose my status and have to drop for cover up in or sure. just tell, or tell them what happened. So, oh, I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard, dude. So, I fucking was honest, and all those levels got dropped. <laughs> and the student council member that was in there with us, there was a bunch of us that were. This was happening to. Mm-hmm. He fucking told the other upper levels that got dropped who who had told on him. So all these fucking people, um. All these dropped upper levels were pissed. They were like, like, and we were like fucking getting called rats and stuff. And I mean, that's like, you know, that's, that's an example of why there was no, um, why we didn't tell, you know, people didn't say shit because you like, yeah, I could tell my parents, but I didn't live with my parents. Mm -hmm. I lived with these dudes and I got to exist with these dudes. So yeah, that, that happened. That's such a powerful point, though, because I think, um, you know, you're there. You are there, right? And your parents already said, hey, you're graduating, right? So no matter what you come back and say, 
you're probably still going to be graduating. You're probably still going to be there with those people. So then it turns into a game of getting by. Yeah, it's survival. Yeah, survival. And, you know, we had similar experiences, not quite that dramatic, but we had similar experiences on the girls' side where there would definitely be retaliation. And as you know, there's nothing that you can do there that's anonymous, right? No, no, nothing anonymous. Everybody knows. If you say something, everybody knows. Um, And then it turns into a game of of retaliation. Uh, But... You know, one of one of my my biggest points. So I, I worked for um, in the mental health system for many years as an adult, and uh, I actually I worked in advocacy. And so one of the things that we did was every single facility in the state, residential treatment centers, outpatient treatment centers, every single place that offered some kind of mental health treatment had a number by the phone, right? They had phones, which of course we did not, right? There was no such thing as like just picking up the phone and making a phone call like that. No, did not happen um, that I'm aware of. And yeah, they had a third party resource that they could call in and say, hey, this is happening in this facility. I need you guys to help. Um, and, And we were completely isolated to the point that there was no way to contest anything that happened in that facility. No, you just brought up a great point. Like, if we were to touch a phone, like, you start back at level one. Like, you're not allowed to touch a phone. Well, because their whole thing was they thought that we were going to try to run and that we were contacting someone to, like, come pick us up or God knows what. Uh, But from a legality (laughs) standpoint and definitely in today's standards, (laughs) there has to be a third party. That's a great point. And I feel like if there was, we, we would have been. That's, that's such a check and we, we needed that checks and balance so bad. So okay, so you 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 worked the program, you, you did. upper levels. Did you ended up graduating? Didn't you? I did. I had to. Yep. Yeah. So what was that like? Um, and how do you feel about it now? So. I um the program was extremely traumatic for negatives for negatives. But with every bad there's good, right? Mm-hmm. And there is some good that came from Ivy Ridge. I, if I wanna like I can I cannot acknowledge it if I want to. Like that place fucking sucked. You know, nothing came from that place. I've heard some regardless if it was right or wrong. We were accountable for every little thing in that place, even if we didn't do it. We were accountable for our peers, through consequences. That's not really what your question was, but um, accountability. And like, I remember like, to get back to like your question, leaving discovery and just feeling like a weight had gotten off my shoulders. Like, I, like I'm not saying that, the, the seminars weren't fucked up because they were fucked up. There was there, there were some good things that happened. Like I didn't have that. That's the only time I had that experience at Ivy Ridge was after discovery. Like I felt better getting that out, hitting the fucking, you know, for some reason it helped me. Um, but, you know, I thought the seminars were fucked up. I thought, you know, going, the, the program was fucked up and just going back to what you said, like what was our grievance process? Like, 
if we had a grievance or we had an issue with the school, we had to go to the school directors. So there was no outside, no phone communication and run away. And I was like, I don't necessarily like, that's what they might've been telling like the lower level staff, like, oh, we don't want them to like run away and stuff. But that's not what it was. They knew if we were to communicate with our parents that we would have, a lot, they would have lost a lot of money. It was all about money for them. Absolutely. Every day, we were just a number in a day. If if person X stayed for day Y, that's a, that's X amount of dollars, and that's all they gave a fuck about. That's just what it was. We were just we were just a number to them, and how much money they could make out of each student. So that's why we weren't allowed phones. My belief, you know, is because it was a very complex, well-devised scam that suckered a lot of people because it's so corrupt and it goes so deep. I was just reading something on um, Facebook page that we're both part of about like the governor of New York receiving money. The governor of uh, Utah like received like $30,000 campaign money from Litchfield like after mm-hmm. he like... So man, this is like, it's... It, 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 it's going to come out and, you know, it'd be cool if there was a movie about it one day. And I guess Paris Hilton had a similar experience that we had. I like your, I like your shirt, by the way. Thank you. It's Def Leppard. I don't know if you can see oh, it. I love it. Right? Thank you. Thank you, Target. Got it from Target. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, it was wild. And it, it, there's schools like this that still exist. And I, I, don't, I, I don't know if it's to the degree that – I don't think that it is at the degree that because it's been – but now a lot of people know about it. So they've kind of, you know, when we were, when they did it, it was kind of, they had a lot more people fall for. Yeah. Well, I will tell you um, just kind of off of that. So first thing I, I've just been researching my ass off about this stuff, right? I want to know the inner workings. I want to know what these people are affiliated with now. Um, and so I've just been steady digging deeper and deeper. One of the things that I found out was that one of their first schools, Cross Creek Manor, was actually partially owned by the mayor of that town. Okay. So my thought is, right, and of course I don't have confirmation on this, but my thought is, is that hush money, right? Because he wasn't affiliated with any other school. He wasn't into any other kind of behavior modification schools, but it's like, hey, listen, buddy, this is what we're going to do. We're going to cut you a deal. We're going to give you 30% of the school. You're going to get a kickback, and we want you to just look the other way. You know, and on top of that, and something that you said, you said, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that know about it now. And while that's true, there are people who know about it and it's starting to become more public. But I just saw a post on Facebook this morning from a mom who said, I'm so happy I found this group because I was just about to send my daughter, I know, to one of these schools. Uh, And it's still happening. And that's not the only post that I've seen like that or comment that I've seen like that. Uh, So unfortunately, I feel like now what they're doing is. They're opening new schools, but they're doing it differently. Now they're actually seeking accreditation. Now they're actually seeking to somehow kind of make it seem legitimate. But I also feel like that's just because of the day and age that we're in. You literally cannot operate a school like how they were doing then. Because back when we were at Ivy Ridge, that school was not registered or licensed or anything with anyone. 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 It was a building with a man who owned it and staff to run it. And 
there were kids. You know, so I think now they are trying to do things a little bit more legitimately, but I don't think that it's coming from a place of really wanting to help kids. I think it's coming no. from a place of like, this is just what we got to do or else people are going to be on our ass about it. It's survival mode. And I, I, I guess I'm just really curious, like how much money do, do they actually fucking make it to be worth to fuck all these kids? Like, like, because I honestly can't think it can be that much because like the overhead it is the pace. I mean, even I know they paid staff so little, the overhead to run a school has got to be fucking ridiculous. Like, I could be completely wrong, and they could be making buco bucks. So I read something yesterday that said, and this was in a deposition from Litchfield himself, but they said that if each student paid $3,000 a month to be there, they would only, they would siphon off 2500 and that would go to upper, that would go to Litchfield right? That would go to Litchfield and all those people. Uh, and so that would leave 500 per student to, for anything, right? 500 per student. And you're paying staff with that. You're paying bills with that. Um, you're, you're providing shampoo, soap. And this is one of the reasons why I always wondered why we had like the shittiest dollar store shampoo and conditioner and things like that, right? Like they, they bought the bottom of the barrel well that makes so much sense because yeah like that's why the food suck and that's yeah. why staff is getting paid and that uh Litchfield, the incentive to continue to make these schools when they get kicked out instead of being like oh i'm good you know like we've done enough like, fuck that he's like i want to make more money that makes sense isn't that wild though i mean you cannot like even outside of a school even just here in, in normal life, we're free, we're adults. You can't survive off of $500 a month. No. Nonetheless, taking out of that to pay for things like other people's salaries and all of the things that it required, you know, for operation, a food. The food was garbage. Yeah. Let's talk about the food was awful. I was hungry a lot. We were served three meals a day. Uh, we could have as many apples or uh, vegetables, and I think we're there's so much only so much nutritional value mm-hmm. from apples and bananas. Like I literally ate so many bananas because I was hungry one morning that I got sick, and I haven't ate a banana since. I never felt like there was enough food, even in the the mail that we got one or two pieces of pizza, or like just not not enough food. Well, and especially for boys. On the girls' side, we were hungry too, don't get me wrong, but the food was so full of sodium and it was canned Uh, and it was the type of food that you make for uh, mass amounts of food, right? Like they had to use shit quality food. Yeah. And so I'd say on average, people would gain about 50 to 70 pounds being there. Mm -hmm. And it was not from overeating. It was from the quality of the food. I felt like such a dog when I was there. Yeah. You know, I was I was there for the riot. I felt like a dog that night. I really felt like a dog that night. They're treating us like, you know, getting your shut the fuck up and getting your kennel type deal. So what so. was that like? We were we I was there. Like I was there. I was I you was were there. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Like yeah. uh the the riot was happening directly beneath us and you know, like you could hear everything. Um and so we heard a big smash and then the sirens went off and then, and I always describe those sirens as being like world war two sirens. Cause they were so freaking like, like freaking. Yeah. So we all line up, we get into the hallway and then we could just hear 
everything going on downstairs. So we heard the crashing, we heard the smashing, we heard dorm parents being like, you know, shut the fuck up, everybody! And all of that. So what was that like actually being in it? Fucking wild. Um, I'll tell you pretty much what happened is we all had an idea something was happening that night. And like, I just remember like a quietness and it's like, like I had never fucking heard before. Like I had never heard it in that facility. Like it was just so quiet. Like it was specifically, there was not a fucking sound at this point, you know, I'm a level three. I, I hear that the riots happening, you know, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of a spectator. I'm, I'm not going to say I participated in the riot because I really didn't. But I, you know, 1030, you know, you start hearing smashes, windows, and people start screaming. And you got one dorm dad, you know, he's, he's got a can of WD-40 in it. And he's fucking spraying it in kids' eyes. They tried to contain the riot. So they put everyone in the uh, gym, the tiny-ass boys gym. So we're all in there and, like, and like it's just crazy. And like you could hear like kids on the kids had gotten on the top of the gym, like on the roof, and they were like running around. It was craziness. And like my buddy, everyone that went to everywhere, you had a buddy, as you're um, you're aware of. And at this time, I was the what was the bunk leader? I was the bunk leader. And my bunk buddy uh, was like laughing, and Randy Garvey gets in his face, and he's like, "You think this is fucking funny?" And my, my, he's like, kinda. And Randy Garvey was losing his shit. So, I mean, I remember bits and pieces of that uh, night. And then the next morning, you know, they spent the night like getting kids back and stuff. And next morning, I just remember John McMahon, who's a dorm parent, being like fucking screaming, like, Patriot family, line up. And, like the most nastiest, like sharpest, like intense tone ever. I, I don't want to say it like the way he said it because I don't want to upset my. Sure. my landlord upstairs i don't want to upset <laughs> you because that's how i just and it just it, w- it would be unpleasant the way he said it you know we lined up and what they did was there was a lot of level threes that became upper levels that night because they helped the staff and there's also upper levels that lost being upper level or level threes that lost it and then there was level threes that stayed level threes and i was level three that stayed level three because i i kind of i just observed you know, I knew that if I got expelled, it was always because I did not want to go to Jamaica. I did not want to spend three years in a uh, wasp facility. I think we all look back and think about what could I what could I have done differently? How could this have played out differently? Um, even in my program, because I complied <coughs> the entire time. There was never a point in time that I looked at staff and I was like, hey, fuck you. Like I thought it. I thought it, I felt it, but I never acted on it. Um, And it wasn't because of like, you know, I was better than other people or anything like that. It was the fact that I was afraid. And so- Survival mode. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I- I thought if I can fly under the radar, if I can be compliant, if I can follow all of the rules, I wanted to be out of there in 12 months, dude. That was my goal. I was like, if I can get out of here in 12 months, then I can do this. And that's what I fought for the entire time until obviously 12 months came and went and it was 14 months, 16 months, 18 months. And then I was there for two years and then, you know, so on and so forth until I finally got out. Yeah. I mean, I feel that so much because 
sometimes I look back and I'm like, well, if I would have just refused from the get-go, I wonder what would have happened. I wonder if my mom eventually would have been like, okay, just like this isn't working. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't think so though. In my opinion, it wasn't worth being restrained by staff and going through all of that bullshit. You make very valid points and it's like, there's so many variables too. And you, and it's just like, I, my mom wanted to throw money at the problem at what she thought was the problems. Right. Because right. after I went to Ivy Ridge, I went to other places, but they weren't traumatic. They weren't fucked up. Really have any issues with those places. You know, I went to a wilderness quest. There was no abuse there. You know, it, it, it was, it was, it was actually really good. And I learned cool stuff. And I wish that's where my mom sent me at the beginning or sent, and then I went to Grave of France and I actually learned about recovery because I am a drug addict. I am an alcoholic, but I'm in recovery today. The reason I'm probably in recovery is um, because I got that um, information when I was really young at these, yeah. at my, these rehabs. Ivy, Ivy Ridge didn't help me. Ivy Ridge made me more angrier. And Ivy Ridge made me more upset. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type deal is what happened with Ivy Ridge. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of trauma. And, you know, I have dreams probably dream every night about it. I, I use a lot of cannabis, so I don't remember all my dreams. I do remember a good amount of them. It's always the reoccurring, reoccurring, reoccurring theme where I'm begging my mom not to send me there. And she's like, oh. she has her, her mind made up and I'm going. It, it is what it is. And, you know, I, my child, I had a really good childhood and I was very blessed. And, you know, other than trying to get me to get into the norm, fit into the norm as a teenager, you know, I, I'm very fortunate. This was really awesome for me to do today because, yeah, it's about like making sure other people don't go through this, but it's really healing, you know, yeah. to talk to someone, to talk to someone else like yourself. So you're really helping people. The end game is just like us healing and like, like feeling better. We're definitely going to, we're going to get there. And, uh, you know, I would like, you know, these people to be held accountable and responsible. But I mean, do you think that's, I mean, I'm, I'm not like being a smart ass. I'm curious. Do you think that's going to happen? You know, I'm, I don't know. I would like it, but it's like, I think for some it will. Reason, you think it will? I think it will. I think it will, honestly, <clears throat> because I mean, I just trust that it will. I just know yeah. that it will uh, because I know in my life and in my experience, I've never seen people do things like that and not have it catch up to them in some way or another, right? I'm not saying exactly how that's going to happen or that I even know how that's going to happen, but I know that there, there will be karma. There will be karma. And as you know, and I've explained it in the other episodes, when you run an operation that's strategically to get money and you do make a lot of money because at one point they were reporting they made 90 million a year. Okay, 90 million, 90 million. Um, and I've actually heard that a lot of the prices for these programs went up. So I, I think our parents were paying roughly around 45,000 to 50,000 a year. Uh, but I've actually heard reports recently of schools charging as much as 120,000 a year. When you're making that much kind of money, but on the other side of it, people are in pain, people are suffering, people are being abused. There's going to be repercussions. There just is. Um, that's just the law of, of nature, I believe. Um, so tell me a little bit, because I want to hear, after you got out of Ivy Ridge, you graduate, you're at PC3, Parent Child 3 Seminar, which is the seminar for you, you guys who don't know, that's the seminar that you go to when you graduate as you're leaving the program. So what happened after that? So that's a great question. So I went to PC3 and, you know, 
I, we did the PC3 thing. We went to California. Is that where you went? Yes. Parent-child seminar. So we have to do parent-child seminar one, parent-child seminar two, and parent-child seminar three. And that's when you graduate the program. So I did parent-child seminar three, did the whole home contract thing. That I don't even think we ever looked at that thing. And, <laughs> and um, it just... You know, I was at that time I was I went I was 16 and a half and I just started hanging out just not doing whatever that was my parents' issue. I just did what I wanted to do. It was a control thing. Sure. And um I was just doing whatever I wanted to do again. So I lasted I I graduated in April, last lasted till October, and then I got transported again. But this time I'm 17 years old. I'm a little bit older now. You've been through I, it. You I kind of know, yeah. I'm not, the shock's not there. And and this time, they're, you know, they, they could have took up the, uh, that was one of their huge uh, advertising, the free tuition. Uh, the free, uh, what am I trying to say? Two months the, if you went back. Like it was their yeah. warrant, warranty. Is warranty. Yeah. Yeah. It was such bullshit. And it, it made no sense. Like you're supposed to, but anyways, to get back to what we were saying, they didn't send me back to Ivy Ridge. They knew they fucked up. They sent me other places. I went to Wilderness Quest. I was really traumatized from Ivy Ridge, refused to do the program. I sat on a tire for 30 days. I, I eventually did the program. I, I it, was, it was pretty cool. I, I, you had to like learn how to build a fire, like do a, like a hike by yourself at nighttime, like 30 miles. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And then I went to, I went to Grey Wolf. Well, while I was there, so I grew up playing sports. And when I went back um, to high school, I, I, I wanted to play sports again. So I was playing sports, but I contracted MRSA. I played football, and I contracted MRSA. And oh. my parents sent me to Wilderness Quest with MRSA. And so I, I, so I had these nasty infections on my knees. So I, I, got, through, I, I got through Wilderness Quest, and I got to Grey Wolf. And Gray Wolf was a halfway house. So after you graduate uh, one of these wilderness camps, they send you to the Gray I had a lot of trauma from Ivy Ridge, and I was not into doing – I was done doing programs, and I was done doing – I was done doing that. So I, I refused, and eventually I got sent home. So this at this point, I'm 18. I'm like a junior in high school, and my mom's like, oh, you can get your GED. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I savaged my senior year. I went back to high school and I got to, so yeah, so I got to do my senior year with the kids I grew up with. Oh, and that's so, so cool. And I got to play my senior year of football and I got to, so I grew up wrestling from kindergarten and I was a really good wrestler. I, by the time I was in eighth grade, I was winning pretty much every single match. Ninth grade comes October. I get sent to Ivy Ridge. Wrestling season doesn't start till this December, November. If my mom just waited a month, I would have been – wrestling was such a pull for me. It was I, – I played every sport, but it was the one sport I really excelled at, you know. Mm -hmm. Just being on being on that high school team, it would have – it pisses me off that she sent me away. and She didn't give me that sure. chance. Yeah. But I got to do it when I was a senior. So I came back, missed my freshman, sophomore, junior year because of all these fucked up places, My because of Ivy Ridge and then the other places she sent me. I, I, I didn't get in any trouble, you know, and I got to the wrestling season. And I got to wrestle my senior year. And I actually got to win states as a wow. senior. I won a, I won a state championship yes. as a senior. And then they're like, well, so Ivy Ridge, This I really struggled in school. And I really struggled with Ivy Ridge school because it was all on computer, all at your own pace. Right. So um, I was really slow at it. I, I did not excel at that kind of at, 
that kind of education. I was able, so they're like, look, like you're not going to be able to graduate this year. And you only got played sports for one year. So you still have three years of eligibility. So I was able to stay back my senior year. I got to do one more year of sports. That's amazing. And I got, yeah. So I got, so I ended up leaving high school as a two-time state champion in high school in wrestling. So that was, that was really cool that I was, I was able to savage that because I remember crying, like, you know, like the third or fourth night I was at Ivy Ridge and it wasn't because I was at Ivy Ridge anymore. It was because it wasn't because I was at Ivy Ridge. It was because I knew that I was done wrestling. Yeah. And that, that really upset me because wrestling was one place where I always excel. But that to get taken away to me really pissed me off. Yeah. So the fact that I was able to savage that, it's really cool. It is because, really cool. Um, if I wasn't able to savage it, no one's looking to hire really good middle school wrestlers, middle school wrestlers, right? So I've been able to, you know, get jobs. I coach wrestling now. I get paid to coach at high schools. Oh, that's um, cool. I, I coach middle school, but I, I get paid. I, I, I'm the head coach of uh, a, a team. And if I, was, if I wasn't able to, if I just said fuck it and got my GED, they wouldn't be interested in hiring me as a coach of the wrestling. So uh, the fact that I was able to savage that, it, it really, it, it's really, and it's a good spot. It's a good place for me. It, you know, Ivy Ridge sucked. It is what it is. You know, I feel like they're really lucky that we were so young because now we're all adults. Like, if I feel like we could have sued them for a shit ton of money, and like if we. Like now we're all adults and we realize how fucked up it is. And we're like, we, we're all talking about it. And we're like, this is fucked up, man. This wasn't cool. And you need to be held accountable for it. So I, it's a little, I, unfortunately, I think we might be a little too, little too late for us. You're doing a really good job. This has been amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And you're going to help a lot of people doing these. So uh, you're, you, the job, the journey you're on special too. Like I said, I remember you from discovery. And uh, I was uh, like, when you told me 29 months, I was shocked because like, like you said, like you always complied, but it didn't matter. Like, you know, they obviously saw that they could, they could make money off you and they just, you know, they held you back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, that's what I think from, from what you told me, I could be completely wrong, but you know, these fucking upper, these higher ups had like, for one reason or another, I was the same. I I think it was the same idea with me because this one dorm parent out of nowhere, I was on probation. And I was getting a consequence for every little thing. Like right. I was getting like 20 consequences a day. And I told my mom about it. It stopped. But like, yeah, I mean, I could totally see, like they would take advantage of shit like that all the time. Like it's, I can't see how like a nice girl like you would get stuck there for 29, but I can't because they, that's what they do. They take advantage of people. Well, and I think that that's part of the point that, you know, we're trying to make now is that it doesn't necessarily matter how, you know, I'm putting this in quotes, how good you were, or if you followed the rules, it didn't matter, right? They were going to keep you there as long as they could. So with my story, my mom at the time was dating a guy who was relatively wealthy. And so he helped fund 
some of that school. So we kind of had like an endless supply of however many months I could be there. Um, And my family rep knew that, right? She knew that 110%. It got to a point where my mom had emailed them or talked to them on the phone or something like that. And she said, hey, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford this any longer. And at this point, I was already like level five, level six. Like I was already, like I had staffed seminars. I had done it, right? Like I was on student council, like I had already done the program. Uh, And so my mom pretty much was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford this anymore. That's when all of a sudden my program sped up. That's when it's like, oh, hey, Caroline, you're going home. Let's get ready for PC3. I was like, what the fuck? I've actually been ready to go home for a long ass time. Yeah. But they wanted to stretch out that last little bit, right? So they're telling my mom, okay, well, we're going to get her ready for graduation. So if you can just do the next three months and not pull her. Um, and also, I think part of it was that they wanted uh, they wanted the numbers. They wanted to have one more graduate instead of one more person being pulled. And I knew something was weird. And I didn't know about this whole situation actually until much later. I knew it was weird that all of a sudden I was coasting through the program. I was like, what the hell? It's been a struggle for me this entire time. Why am I now all of a sudden like, bam, level six, bam, signed up for PC3, you know, bam, you're going home. It was bizarre. But then I found that out after and I'm like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah. So Mike, is your mom still dating that man? No. In fact, what's your feelings towards that man? Um, I honestly, I don't necessarily have any feelings towards him funding it only because all he knew is that my mom wanted to send me to this school and he just kind of wrote the check. And so I don't really have any hard feeling towards him just because, you know, he's not my dad. He doesn't owe me anything. Um, It was my mom, right? It was my mom that had was talking to the family reps. It was my mom who called teen help. It was my mom who was looking at the websites and all of that. And actually just last night, I'll tell you real quick. I had a conversation with my mom about it. We had touched on it here and there. And so over time we had both kind of agreed like, yeah, that place was fucked up, but we didn't really go much further into it. But just last night, I really started getting into details about some of the things that happened in seminars. And, you know, I agree. There were some good things that came from seminars, but there were also some really fucked up things. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got more into detail of, of telling her about this organization and telling her about Robert Litchfield and how they run these schools. And she actually apologized to me. And she said, I am so sorry that you ever went through something like that. In that moment, I don't know. It was crazy. Like, I really had to take a second to internalize that because I was like, wow, I've been angry about this for all these years, not really knowing that I was angry about it, but I was. Like, our relationship was not the same after I came out of Ivy Ridge. I didn't feel like I had that trust there or like I could, and I'm just going to say it, I, I did not feel like I could love my mom like how I did before, right? There was always kind of a wall there. There was always kind of something in between us. So do you still feel that way? You know, cuz I do. Yeah. I I it, I I I just now literally last night decided yeah. that I'm ready to I'm ready to heal that relationship. Mm-hmm. So it, what surprises to me is so you guys pretty much just haven't really talked about it for 14 years, just kind of swept it under the rug. That's yeah. insane because me, me and my mom, it's, it's, ugh, it's, it's really sad 
the way we talk about it and discuss it. And, and I'll take ownership. The way I treat her about it is sometimes really evil and yeah. I get really upset and I don't like how she justifies it. You know, I, I, I feel myself getting into my ego right now and get, getting righteous, but, uh, so I'm going to, but I just, I wish there was more research done. I feel like I've seen the team help videos and they were so, they were such trash. That was such horrible average. It's like, really? That's all it took to sucker you? Like right. the video, it's like the video, like, it, like, it's like, it's so sleazy, like and greasy, like the parts where like, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, Tranquility Bay and uh, Casa by the Sea, they're way cheaper because the U.S. dot what the U.S. dollar mean. I mean, have you seen those videos? Yep. They're fucking really sleazy. And it's just like, that's really, mom, that's all it took to get you. Right. Like, I, I just, I, I just, I thought she was wiser than that. And it's just, I don't know. I just, there's just a disappointment. So what happens is every six months to a year, like I'll, it will creep up and like, I'll get triggered and I'll just, I'll messenger a bunch of, I'll say stuff like, you know, I'll, I'll start off with a phone call and be like, Hey, uh, I just want to know if you want to make a comment about Ivy Ridge. And uh, she'll, be, she, she'll go, uh, I don't feel like being harassed today. And I'll be like, and then I'll send a text message like, oh, you know, if you don't want to be harassed, you shouldn't uh, convict uh, your teenager of, of crimes and send him away when he uh, was never convicted of stuff, like, of anything. Right. So, and, 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 you know, that behavior is really abusive. You know, she doesn't deserve that. She knows what she did was wrong and she feels terrible about it. And I need to stop doing that to her because it, it's not right. And I get it too, though. I understand it because, you know, the way that I look at it is like, let's say we're going to buy a car, right? We're going to buy a car. We're like, yeah, it's time to get a new car. And we go to the dealership and we look around. Well, then what do we do? We go home and we Google. We go home, we Google it. We look at reviews. We look at, you know, all the specs. We pull up Kelly Blue Book, right? We do all the freaking research to make sure, Mm -hmm. is this the right purchase? Right. And so sometimes, and I know I felt a lot of resentment about this, is that there was information out there at the time that was talking about these schools. That information was available back then. And of course, I didn't know that until very recently. But the point being, if I was going to send my child somewhere, which I would never with my son ever, um, because I fully believe that no one is going to love your child like you do. And that's just the fact. No one's going to give a shit about your child like you do. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I felt a lot of resentment about that. I felt like, and I believed this for so many years because at that time, my mom was wanting to move to South America and I did not want to go. She wanted to move down there with her boyfriend. I didn't want to go. I was starting ninth grade, starting high school. Um, I was a cheerleader. I had a good group of friends that I was solid with. Like all I wanted to do was go to high school with my friends. And she wanted to move to South America. I'm like, I don't speak the language. I don't know. I'm going to be trapped there with you and your boyfriend. That's the last thing that I wanted to do. Right. So I put up a big fuss about it. And eventually that's when I, you know, within a matter of weeks, I was sent to Ivy Ridge. So I hung on to this story for a long time that she sent me there so she could go gallivant with her boyfriend. Mm. And that may have been a small percentage of it. I don't think that I could say that that wasn't it at all, right? I think that was maybe a small percentage of it. But I also truly believe that at the time, my mom was lost. My mom was lost. She listened to other people. 
right? Like she had people on teen help telling her, if you don't do this, your daughter's going to die. Your daughter's going to die and be in prison Mm -hmm. and all of this fear. And she was already afraid, right? Mm -hmm. Her mind was already going off the deep end, uh, which kind of, you know, similar to your story, I was not doing hard drugs. I had tried weed once. Um, I was just, I was pissed off is what it was. I was pissed off. I'd talk back. Um, I'd make things just generally difficult. Uh, but I was not running around freaking like stabbing people and doing PCP, you know, but, uh, yeah, that was a lot of years I spent believing that and a lot of anger that built up around that. But I feel like if I could give any advice, if there's any parents listening to this, I think what you can do is first off, listen to your child's experience right? Listen to their story. Listen to the things that happened there. Because I think some parents don't even want to hear it, right? Because they're like, I know it was bad. I know. And they feel guilty, but we had to live it. So the least that you can do is listen um, and and own up to it, right? Mm -hmm. No, that's just the whole thing you're talking about with your mom and her boyfriend like running um just to, so did they go to south america yeah they did they were there for two years i believe and then she lived in new york city for a little bit and then she ended up moving to western massachusetts which is where i went from california by the way i, yeah. I grew up in san diego and then ended up just you know god never made it back. so <laughs> so yeah i grew up in vermont you know four hours away from augensburg so like i thought you know fucking three hours to, it's three and a half hours you couldn't really go check out the school and just right. go look at it. And it's like, I, oh, man, like my mom married when I was 12. By the time I'm 15, I'm at Ivy Ridge. I said the same things to me, myself, for the longest time. But it's just not the truth. I mean, do I think I get sent to Ivy Ridge um, if my stepdad's not in the picture? No, I don't. I don't think I get sent to Ivy Ridge. But do I think my mom did it because she wanted to run around with my stepdad? And she didn't want me in the house. No, I don't think that's why she did it. But for the longest time, I have put it on that. Oh, you just got married. You wanted, you know, you you want you didn't want to deal with your son, so you just sent him away. Don't think that's the case. I think, like your mom, she had teen help in her ear. She had people in her ear, and she was manipulated. And I need to stop doing that to my mom because my mom's not going to be here forever. She doesn't not need. She needs to stop hearing that because I did it to her last weekend. I was watch. Have you ever watched uh, the Midnight Gospel with uh, Duncan Trussell? Yes, I love Midnight so, Gospel. Yeah, yeah. Episode seven, the final one with his mom. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it, but I've okay. heard about it, so I kind of uh, know. I'm not going to ruin it for you. You okay. need to watch it for yourself. <laughs> but just after, like, like I see like Facebook memes, and it has like clips. Like I'm on the Midnight Gospel Facebook page. I am. It's like, man, like I love my mom so much, and it's like, am I really gonna like beat her up? Like she made a mistake. She fucked up. She knows she fucked up. Like I need to let it go, and like she she she's paid the price. Like I can I can still be angry about it. I don't need to direct it towards her. You know she knows, and so that's that's where I am at my because I've been doing that for to her for a long time, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of making my mom feel like shit about it. This has been an amazing interview. I just want to say and thank you for. I think it's important to own up to that too. That we 
if we stay in this cycle of guilting our parents and, and yeah. pressuring them, and everyone's story is different, right? I just want to say that too. Like there, there are some parents who are not even willing to look at it. Not yeah. they, they don't think that what they did was wrong. They still are all about Ivy Ridge and all that bullshit. So everyone's different. I just want to say that. Yeah. I know that everyone is going through a different experience, but like myself and you know what it sounds like you're going through, I spent so much time being so closed off and resentful to my mom to the point that I didn't realize that I was doing it. That was just my yeah. autopilot, right? That was my autopilot. Um, I had a lot of anger and a lot of resentment and I felt betrayed. So I'm happy to say that we're working through it. And I think that, you know, same with you, even having that intention of wanting to move forward and wanting it to be different and wanting to actually maybe make up for some lost time. You know, I think that's what I resented too is after I got out of the program, I was kicked out of the house nine months later. And there was a lot of stuff going on at home still. And it just wasn't thought I, what I thought it was going to be like. I felt like from the time I was 14, that's when I stopped having parenting in my life. And I feel like I wasn't ready to not have a parent anymore. I still needed to be parented. But now at 30 years old, I can't be like, mommy, you know, hold me, read me a bedtime story or whatever. I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for that to be done yet. And I think that's where a lot of the hurt comes from. There's something called like maternal trust that like you have with your mom. The relationship with your mom and dad's different. Like we come out of our mom. Like it's just yeah. different. You know what I mean? And like the, the trust that you have, like I had with my mother it was like severed when she sent me to Ivy Ridge. Like just that like trust that like no matter what, you know, my mom has my back and like my mom mm. will protect me no matter what. That was that was severed. And that was never fully repaired. And I don't think it ever will be. I am thir- like you said, I am 31 years old now. And like she's getting older. My mom's 68 now. I don't need to beat her up for the rest of her life for one mistake she made. Like my mom was like, my mom, everyone loved, even at Ivy Ridge, everyone loved my mom. My mom was like the mom that staffed all the seminars and like came up to New York to like be like with me and like do all the seminars with me. And like all the other like parents are like, all the other kids are like so jealous because my mom was just like so full of love. And like, you know, everyone loved, my mom's an amazing lady. And she's, she does so much for me. And it's just like, I don't know, like, yeah, she fucked up sending me to Ivy Ridge, but you know, I fucked up a lot growing up. So it's like, it, it sucks. And it's like, want to like i like this is really healing like and that's what this has been more than anything for me like yeah getting the word out but like this has been selfish for me like getting like healed and like this is like what we need to do is like talk about it a few months ago i saw a gentleman i want to say his first name because he'll probably listen to this i saw juan me and juan were in the same family together i went down to connecticut to do some work and i saw juan while i was down there you know, it's funny when you get to people that you spent time in that facility, it's like you go right back there. Yeah, and it's, for sure. And I, don't, I don't know if you spent time with people outside of the, like, person to person, like, that you spent time with in there. I don't know. You just go, it's just so crazy how you go right back telling our stories. It is cool. Thank you so much for coming on today. It has seriously been such a pleasure. Um, I appreciate just all of your insight and and sharing your journey and and what happened there and what happened since. I think that's so important for other survivors to hear because what we've seen is that 
it was all the same. We all had a very similar experience, not only within those walls, but after we left too. Um, so yeah, we are not alone. And I know there's so many people who are just now starting to face what they went through. Um, so thank you for sharing your power and your strength with us. Um, it was such a joy to have you here. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you, Caroline. And I'm you know, looking forward to, we touched a lot based on a lot today, but there's still so much more. You I know. know. Like we, just, <laughs> we just touched the tip of the iceberg. So I, I, I'm looking forward to listening to other podcasts from other stories from other people that has had the same experience that we went through. And just want to hit real quick on what you said is, it was just so shocking to hear you identify with same of the, some of the same feelings and experiences that I had. And, you know, other than seeing you in passing, you know, we never really talked. It's just, it's, it, it's so wild that, you know, that we can come back, you know, 20, 15 years later and we can identify and uh, you're, you're really doing, this is really good work, uh, Carolyn. And I just encourage you to keep it up. And uh, I don't know, you're doing God's work, helping people. Thank so you. I, I appreciate I just, that so much. <laughs> well, you're an awesome person. And thank you so much for uh, having me on today. Thank you, Alex.